0: So okay. we believe in Skyrora, we want to build the taxi service, basically the vehicle dedicated for the customer, which means that we are aiming to be ready to launch in whenever the customer wants. Obviously, we had to shut down the office in mm-hmm. Ukraine on the first day of war, because I cannot put my people under the risk. I definitely would not, I would not go to Mars. I would rather go somewhere else, in Venice, in Italy.
1: First, a quick message from our sponsor. Sourcing tech talent and delivering your software roadmap shouldn't be difficult. That's why DZ connects high growth companies with some of the best pre-vetted developers from across the world. Whether supporting your in-house team, building your dream dev squad, or delivering a project end-to-end, DZ's unique model is trusted by businesses globally to help them rapidly execute software development. DZ is offering all UKTN listeners a 10% discount on their first engagement. Go to DZ.com slash UKTN to access quality development teams today. Hello and welcome to the UKTN podcast, a weekly conversation with founders of some of the UK's high-growth tech companies. Each episode, we'll talk through the founder's personal journey, their vision for their business, and their views of the wider tech industry. And joining me, Jane Wakefield, today is Vladimir Levikin, who is a space entrepreneur and CEO of British satellite firm Skyrora. Thank you for talking to me today, Vladimir. and first up, I want to say that Space Entrepreneur is such a glamorous job title. The idea of being a pioneer in this new frontier of space is very exciting. Space always holds such a fascination for people, doesn't it? So I wanted to start by just asking, you know, what what space meant to you, what it was that inspired you to get into the space industry?
0: Yeah. Th- thank you. And first of all, I would like to say that uh, I was inspired by space since I was young, but as everyone, I was inspired by the IT more than space. So my original background is IT. Uh, but then in, in roughly in 2016, 15, right, we started uh, the Elon Musk, who is, was also originally from IT, inspired the whole IT industry and showed that actually there is even more exciting thing like space. And actually, he showed that is actually doable, right? And uh, I was in Silicon Valley back days. I originally from Ukraine moved here in Edinburgh a long time ago, but for a couple of years, uh, I decided to relocate to the Silicon Valley in the US, right? And what I've seen, actually, that apart from the old usual IT uh, excitement stuff, there is a new space appeared among every every single mind in in Silicon Valley and more, a number of IT companies and IT entrepreneurs start to invest in space, and that's how the space came to my life. And I decided to go back to the UK and build the first British orbital launcher.
1: And before we we get on to talk about that, I just want to mention the the fact that you were born in Ukraine. We have to take a, a minute to ask you how the war is affecting you personally and Skyrora, which I know had a lot of staff based in the country.
0: Yeah, obviously. Uh, Today would be the, the one-year anniversary, right? Of yes. course. Uh, and yes, and that was the day, year exactly the year ago, it was the day when I left Ukraine, right, by by chance, right, on the last plane. So obviously it was a tough year, especially the first week was super tough, right, and the first day of war, uh, it was like it was a year, right, of the events which has actually happened. As everyone, I had an impact, right? So as everyone in Europe, I would say, right? But I managed to to move my parents and family here in the UK, so which is fine. As for the Skyroda team itself, about 10% of our people went and joined the army on the first day, and they're still on the front line fighting. Fingers crossed. Everything is so far fine, right? Reasonably fine and so uh, obviously we had to shut down the office in mm-hmm. Ukraine on the first day of war because I cannot put uh, my people under the risk and everything which is googleable right of course uh, being closed right so being the rocket company in Ukraine during the war it's quite a risky let's say experience mm-hmm. right so obviously we took a lot of efforts to take care about the families and uh, our employees whenever it is possible Right. Some of the people were lucky enough to be here on a business trip and they're still with us. Right. And uh, yeah, the British team took double of the efforts, right, to actually compensate the, you know, loss of uh, resources which we have in Ukraine. Uh, Especially proud about that because of the British team, we managed to basically move almost at the same speed as pre-war conditions. Of course, the war is going on. Right, it's it's it give us uh, uncertainty and uh worry and everything else, right? And it's a crisis which we need to take into account and move on. It makes us stronger, and then it will make us stronger, if mm-hmm. we, but we will win for sure. So,
1: and one of the few bright spots in this terrible war is that the wider tech scene there does seem to be thriving. Did that surprise you?
0: Yeah, so I mean, what what is actually showing, and I would say, uh at least some positive, positivity, which is brought to the industry itself, that the space, it's appeared to be the one of the crucial asset, or assets to have, right? And even for the commercial, um, let's say, uh, operators, satellite operators, which uh, which uh, they were built in, in, in intention to to do the climate change, uh, let's say, uh, solving, right? Uh, monitor the the, the planet, some of them transformed themselves to actually to to step in and help Ukraine to 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 increase the awareness what is going on the battlefield. So mm-hmm. repurposed for a while, right? Uh, and, and and basically show that if you have such kind of assets in space, then you have uh, awareness what's going on on the battlefield and give you this advantage against the even superpower sort of like armies uh, with a quite. Uh, effective results
1: and long may that continue but i want to take you now to silicon valley which you mentioned earlier that you'd spent some time in and as somebody that has launched successful businesses both there and in the uk i suppose you've seen some big differences what what's the sort of things that you would say are the most different between the uk and the silicon valley tech scene
0: uh, so the, the 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 direct and, and uh, the only answer is amount of money. That's it. Amount of funds and money is actually drives everything else, right? So I believe that right now in London we have very similar culture. It used to be the culture, but right now the the Silicon Valley culture, I would say, been copied everywhere else, right? And what makes the Silicon Valley unique is the amount of funds available and the community uh, and such. That we are quite successful in our silicon Roundabout, whatever it's called, in terms of the culture. What we need is to invest more and more money and generate more money and return more money to our investors.
1: And obviously now you are based in Scotland and that country seems to be seeing a lot of interest, particularly from the space industry. Is it becoming a space hub or a wider tech hub, would you say?
0: So now, first of all, the Scotland is uh, the, the best place to launch uh, rockets to space from the UK and one of the best in Europe, right? Especially, you can count that nowadays the most popular uh, trajectories is actually polar or uh, trajectory or sun synchronous, let's say, orbit, which is basically you want to be uh, as close to possible um, to the North Pole or South Pole, right? Mm-hmm. and you should have the clean trajectory. You don't want to fly over any other territories, which appear to be the UK, Scotland, and particularly Shetland Islands have, uh, which is good. Uh, on top of that, sir, historically, uh, the Glasgow with the Clyde Space and Spire appeared to be one of the biggest satellite manufacturers in the UK, which is also good news, right? And then the Scottish government invested and keep invested Quite significant amount of money to create the space Hupper space hubs uh, and such for Skyro so obviously where we would like to be closer with such kind of events however the main reason that you know I'm just you know 13 years ago moved from Ukraine to Edinburgh and that is the place which I loved and and to so in love with right and for me it was no other choice rather than to the company in Edinburgh for the for such kind of reason. But it's appeared to be very good choice.
1: And rocket launches are notoriously difficult to get right. Things didn't go entirely to plan with your recent test. Can you talk me through that and the, and the lessons that you learned?
0: As we are saying, the test itself was successful, right? The flight, uh, the, the launch was successful. The flight itself was not that successful, right? So mm-hmm. the whole mission exercise was actually to be able to come to the position where we can actually launch the vehicle. Especially taking account that we did it in Iceland in October, right? Uh, it's appeared to be the weather, despite all the forecasts and uh, models which we did, was actually completely different. And it was the strongest storm for the one, uh, last 100 years. And we experienced such kind of, uh, let's say, uh, disasters, right? So two days before, for example, we had the storm so massive that it washed out the, the road to our launch pad. And which in the end, we were com- uh, completely, uh, let's say, lucky. We were super lucky that we actually uh, been in the position to, to execute the launch, right? And the, uh, we, uh, we stress our team to the limits, we stress our technology to, to the limit. We set up the mobile launch complex within days, right? And the, uh, based practically on an empty field. Which uh, basically uh, we are going to use for the orbital launch as well. The same infrastructure, which proved that, for example, in our case, we shall not build, you know, massive and spend millions and millions on massive infrastructure. We proved that it's actually doable from the empty field with the mobile solution, right? Uh, which then been taken away, and the nature around was not intact. So as for the launch, uh, we did success- uh, we did successful start right Mm -hmm. Uh, but then we experienced the anomaly anomaly, or let's say the the failure of the software on a board uh, which then led to the um, flight termination program
1: Mm
0: -hmm. in simple words we managed to test lots of uh, you know 70 percent of the objectives which we was assigned for this mission right so we received the data and we did i believe the team counted like 400 lessons for this mission Mm -hmm which will help us with the orbital uh, mission. So it improves our confidence, experience, and everything else. Right Right now, the mission is still, let's say, in progress because we are now trying to recover the vehicle from the bottom of the sea, which is another exercise by itself and a challenge by itself. So we're waiting for the good weather to basically, for boat to go out and scan the uh, the bottom of the sea in, in order to allocate and then Potentially, we will will, uh, use the divers to to basically put it back on on the surface. So that is requirements from the Icelandic uh, Environment Agency.
1: A quick message from our sponsor. Access to high quality and cost-effective talent is one of the biggest growth obstacles facing companies. DZ exists to solve this problem. In a challenging market, businesses need to focus on reducing overheads. All while pushing for meaningful growth. DZ's one to many model provides access to an ecosystem of hand picked development teams engaged on a flexible basis and at competitive rates. Visit slash UKTN for an exclusive 10% discount for all podcast listeners. Weather does seem to be a big factor in these launches, doesn't it? So what what's the perfect conditions? Just a a, a day with no wind and no rain and
0: for our particular our vehicle, because it has a wide range of the weather conditions which can operate, right? So all what we need is just a normal weather, right? Slightly wind is fine, but not the storm. So what what happened in Iceland that we have we have a few hours Window between the storms, and that what happened. Uh, you know, hours after it was heavy snow and uh, and let's say the weather disaster. So, but that was particular our our go to test to the limit because what we're aiming to achieve is basically to build the the vehicle and and uh, the whole package right, uh, mobile, completely mobile, which means it's, uh, it should operate from, you know, any any place on the planet, right, technically, and in wide range of weather conditions. But normally, uh, all kind of vehicles, we should look on the wind, wind, the no- factor number one, right, rain, not so much, but wind on a surface and high winds, well, the wind on altitude, like 10,000 feet, feet, right. So so that's what we are looking for. And that is quite a challenge, because it's a multiple layer Let's say, um, problem, right? So on a surface and every single uh, thousand meters and such, right? We need to use a wide range of weather balloons to to measure it, right? Uh, and so on. So again, so now we've got the full experience how to to measure the weather even in in extreme conditions.
1: So does that mean that you're still on target for your first orbital launch this year? and what what other plans do you have for the coming year?
0: Uh, yes. Yeah, so let's say let's say our suborbital program, and so far we did six launches of suborbital products, right? So we have two more to launch, right? It's sort of independent from orbital launch. Yes, we are getting okay. in the experience and which has some hardware. However, for last year we fully focused on orbital launch manufacturing. The mission in Iceland is supposed to be happened year before we actually did it, but we stuck with the permissions and uh, weather conditions, right? So we hope to do one more uh, Icelandic mission with a similar vehicle uh, next year, shortly next year. right? Mm-hmm. However, uh, we are now in full speed to do our orbital launch. We submitted our application to British CAA, and we are expecting to get some feedback and, uh, let's say, license to launch it from the Shetland Isles. Uh, hopefully, uh, till the end of this year, we shall have the paperwork and, and technology ready for it. If okay. not this uh, year, then I believe the next year for sure. So that is our objective. Everything shall be in line. So the, the, the readiness of the spaceport and they're doing well, the readiness of the CAA with all the permission granted to us, to spaceport, to range operator and such. And of course, us with the technology and rocket science star.
1: Obviously the point of these launches is to launch satellites. So I'm gonna ask a bit of a daft question, which is why is there a backlog in launching these satellites and why do we need so many of them anyway?
0: That's a very good question. So I would say we have not even started yet to build the satellites, right? So the industry which I'm talking about shall be hundred times bigger than we have right now. We are now in a very, very early days of it, right? And uh, to answer you why in quantities, so the, the, the biggest players in satellites right now is the Starlink, uh, uh, which is from SpaceX, which they're basically the kings of, of the new space industry. They have everything, launcher and satellite, and the last yeah. mile services to the final customer, subscription-based model, Starlink. Everything been had been moved from the large satellites, uh, which used to have like 50 years ago, whatever, 20 years ago, in the size of the bus, right? So the very small one, compact, and the size of the washing machine. But okay. in order for those small satellites to be operational, uh, they need to be launched on a lower altitude. They can be launched on the lower altitude, but in order to be operational, we need lots of them. We need to mesh grid of them. That is exactly what the Starlink does, right? Launch thousands of satellites. Mm-hmm. Right, and if they will succeed in their commercial model, which I believe they will, then it uh, it will spark the new, uh, like the huge interest uh, from the investors to the new space industry, and then it will be lots of competitors, also with thousands of lives and everything else, and and then we will talk about you know serious backlog problems. Right, right now. Yes, there is a backlog problems. Yes, you need to wait. Yes, right now, it's the only way to go up, uh, practical go way to go up. It's on, on a SpaceX vehicle uh, with a sort of like ride share model when you need to wait and they're trying to combine hundreds of different clients in one vehicle in order to make it uh, cost effective for everyone. So the, but the customer had to sacrifice the time, waiting times so Perfect. we believe in Skyarora, we want to be the taxi service, basically the vehicle dedicated for the customer, right? Uh, which means that we are aiming to be ready to launch in whenever the customer wants. So we want to sell the whole vehicle for them, and they will be free to go whenever they want, And more, which is more important to exact location they need to know it. exactly like taxi services versus bus services. So in bus services, mm-hmm. you can only you have to wait for the bus. You need to co- coexist with other passengers, which is fine. And you can only leave the the bus on a certain bus stops, and then you need to walk. That is exactly what happening right now with the ride share model and SpaceX. While Sky Aurora mm-hmm. is aiming to be the taxi.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously Elon Musk is one of the players. Also Richard Branson, big heavyweights in this industry, and they have very deep pockets. But it sounds to me that you're confident you can compete in this sort of twenty first century space race because you're you're offering slightly different things.
0: Yeah, you're right. So I would I would say that uh, Jeff Bezos, right, who has a uh, very very deep pocket, right, the, the competitor number one for uh, for SpaceX, but they're aiming, you know, for the large vehicle for the bus services and lorry operators. That is, let's say their current goals so they decide not to bother with the small vehicles and the taxi services which we are in and uh, richard branson so so practically we're competing with the uh, world orbit with um, rocket labs firefly you know and that taxi niche which is just mm-hmm. up to appear right mm-hmm. uh, but that's difficult don't get me wrong that is difficult and uh, that is exciting super difficult super, super expensive very Let's say risky exercise uh, with a quite a risk, but a potentially huge reward.
1: And obviously, it's not just Scotland. We're seeing things happening in at the other end of the country in in Cornwall as well. So, do you think the space industry is something that can really help grow UK PLC, which is constantly looking to compete in in in, te- in the technology scene? Not always succeeding, I would say.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's true. So. Ironically, right, so the UK was one of the first countries who actually managed to reach the orbit on their own vehicle, the LACERO back days, right? <laughs> so we in Scarora actually decided to revisit this technology because it was pure British, let's say, based on non-cryogenic propellants like hydrogen peroxide and uh, kerosene. And we found it very interesting, very simple to use and reliable and such, right? Right now, whatever, 70, 50 years after, UK, it seems to be, is going to... Again, revisit as a nation, and it seems to be the reason the that we need to have the sovereign launch, and the words prove that you know that you need to have the launch which is ready to go now. Mm-hmm. Right? For example, you in Ukraine war, it was an option to to launch satellites next year, right? A couple of years, right? On Starlink and such, right? But that is not an option if right? <laughs> the, the war is happening right now. So which means. I believe that uh, we are in a strong uh, pathway to basically, uh, to execute, uh, jointly execute our strategy, the UK government, their strategy to to actually be able uh, to to have the sovereign capabilities to, to launch satellites whenever they need them, independently Good. from anyone else. And we and uh, Skyrora and few more private operators aiming to fulfill this uh, niche and uh, help to to execute on this mission. So in Convail itself, it's one of the option for horizontal launch, right? But uh, obviously that is launch of the American built um, Virgin orbit vehicle from the American built aircraft. Okay. So it's not that sovereign as it sounds uh, because it's American, uh, which is fine, uh, obviously, which is absolutely fine. Mm, but it has a slightly different flavor.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the idea of this commercialization of space horrifies some people, doesn't it? Because they think we've done enough damage on Earth without taking those same mistakes into orbit. How would you answer those critics?
0: Obviously, it will be lots of mistakes will be made on orbit, right? So that's for sure, right? So we are human beings. We need to learn. And the space is very difficult environment to 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 learn, right? While on 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 the ground we can test, we can try, we can feel. As in space, it's way more challenging, right? Like, mm-hmm. like myself, I'm originally from IT, right? You can do the test and debugging and whatever on on a you know few tests in a minute, right? While in rockets, you should wait for your test attempt for months, right? And spend tons of money and then learn from the, only from the launch itself, which makes the the things way more difficult to actually, uh, to learn from. However, of course, we took all our, uh, let's say, like expertise, which we have on on Earth and trying to build the infrastructure on orbit uh, in a sustainable, environment-friendly way and responsible for everything, right? Of course, the most critics that people are so, let's say, nervous about, it's about uh, space debris, right? So thousands of satellites, we immediately start to worry that there's going to be collisions and such. I would say that everybody obviously aware about it, from regulators to operators and such, right? And it's not that difficult to, to and it's actually been built on the modern satellites to 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 build the uh, collision avo- uh, avoidance Let's say systems in place, right? Uh, the the volume of the airspace and space which we are talking about it's like thousand times more than the volume of the ocean, for example, right? While we don't we we manage somehow to avoid the collisions of our vessels in the ocean on a sure. surface, right? So I'm sure that it's relatively easy task to do technically and from regulators' perspective, how to avoid the collusions and how to not create the mess on orbit. Most of um, nations are united and moving towards this direction.
1: You, you say that, but of course, the oceans are full of, of rubbish, aren't they, and very polluted. So do we need regulations about what people do with old satellites and other space junk? Basically, do we need to clear up after ourselves?
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. But the source of this plastic is, is, in most cases, different, not from the collision collision of the uh, vessels themselves. Right, that's what I'm talking about. So, as for regulators, absolutely, that is the direction which the the whole nations are moving towards. Right. So, with the Suscarora, we have even what you know, the our vehicle was built uh, uh, with the thought how we will uh, not only put satellites on orbit which is primary goal, but actually re- re- use the same third stage to take down the 40 satellites. So basically either replace or put new one and take the 41 down. So that's uh, what our vehicles built for. And of course, as I see right now, everyone works towards the regulations, right? And um, in a short period of time, the satellite operator will be responsible not only for the satellites, how to put it on orbit and how to operate on orbit, but also if if something happens, how to take it down.
1: I suppose the more fun aspect of this journey into space that we're all sort of at the very start of, as you said, is the idea of space tourism do you see that being something that people are going to be able to do and that it's something that will be affordable for normal people? Or is this just going to be a bit of fun for Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson's rich friends?
0: That's uh, so a very good question. So it would be reasonably affordable if it would be demand, right? So the, the more right. demand is, the more launchers are, and uh, the, the health industry is of the space tourism right now. As for me personally, I cannot imagine myself to go to to the orbit, to space, right? Uh, Just because I am who I am, right? So I'm just scared. right? (laughs) But but surprisingly, you know, that is the most common question. And surprisingly, for all the community which I'm speaking with, most of the people actually desperately want to go. So which makes uh, quite interesting, even though that is not my personal opinion, but it seems to be the whole you know, uh, the industry and people, just people, or let's say, random people on the street, they actually would go, which makes it interesting, right? So the Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson, have, they have a solution and and we will see how it will go.
1: And of course, Elon Musk, in typical Elon Musk fashion, has even bigger ambitions. He wants to go to Mars. I'm guessing from what you've just said to me that you're not going to be volunteering on that. But do, do you think his dreams are realistic?
0: Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's Elon Musk, right? So, uh, <laughs> has uh, we should be very careful, is realistic or not? Because they are right now doing the incredible thing with this uh, Starship uh, program, right? Which is a massive ship, which is could be the game changer uh, for everyone. Which they they changed the game once, and they are now they changing game with the Starlink, the second time, right? And with the Starship, it's going to be the huge change. And yes, with the mission, uh, the vision. To have this uh, safety boat, right, for humanity to survive in worst case scenario, why not? So I, I definitely would not. I would not go to Mars. I would rather go somewhere else, in Venice, in Italy.
1: Fantastic. Well, that's a good place to end because it's all we've got time for on this week's edition of the UKTN podcast. Thank you, Vladimir, for joining me on this rather wet day back on Earth, and thank you to our listeners wherever you are. To keep up to date with all the latest UK tech developments, head over to www.uktech.news. Don't forget to follow UKTN on LinkedIn and Twitter. And do get in touch with me via LinkedIn or Twitter at Jane Wakefield with your comments and suggestions about the show. Until next time, it's goodbye from me. A quick message from our sponsor. Access to high quality and cost effective talent is one of the biggest growth obstacles facing companies. DZ exists to solve this problem. In a challenging market, businesses need to focus on reducing overheads, all while pushing for meaningful growth. DZ's one-to-many model provides access to an ecosystem of hand-picked development teams, engaged on a flexible basis and at competitive rates. Visit DZ.com/slash UKTN for an exclusive 10% discount for all podcast listeners.